we often note that many many interesting chuvas in the modern era in recent in recent years are are interesting because they discuss cases that would not have arisen in earlier generations. The technology didn't exist. We we have new tech, we have new technology, machinery, computers, cars, and so on. But some questions involve new new social structures, social and economic structures, corporations, uh, financial products, and so on. We're going to study tonight a couple of chuvas that deal with something, uh, a question which is not inherently a modern question. The question could have come up just as easily a thousand years ago or earlier. For whatever reason, this is a question, we'll propose some reasons maybe, but this is a question that arose only several decades ago, at least it only appears in the halakhic literature, several decades ago. Although, as we said, the, there's nothing particularly new about the question, and it really could have arisen centuries or even thousands of years ago. The question has to do with the legitimacy of using matzah on Pesach made of grain other than wheat. Today, we have people with celiac disease, people with wheat allergies, people with gluten sensitivities, perceived gluten sensitivities, and all these people need or want to use matzah made out of something other than wheat. Sometimes the problem is specifically with wheat. Sometimes the problem is with all gluten. They want to use oats or some some type of grain that has no gluten. The question is, is there any issue in halacha with using matzah, using grains other than wheat? Now, Chazal tell us that matzah needs to be made out of the five grains, the chamesh saminim, chita, saora, kusmin, shifa, and shibolashuel, these are the five grains that require alamechi and berch zamazon. Rice also needs alamechi. Rice also gets mizonos, but the, the, these are the five grains that get mizonos, with, with, the, with the exception of oras and dochen, of rice, and one or two other things maybe. In general, these are the five grains that get mizonos, hamotzi, alamechi, and berchas zamazon. These are the five grains that become chametz. Anything else is not chametz. We have a, we have a, a minhag, gzera of kidneyos. We don't eat corn and peanuts and stuff on Pesach, but it's not chametz. You can keep it in your house on Pesach. In certain cases, we're lenient for people who are sick and so on. It's not real chametz. Real chametz is only the five grains. Matzah and chametz are linked. The, the halacha is the, the matzah can only be made out of those grains which can become chametz, and only the five grains can become chametz. So it's a kula and a chumra. It's a leniency and a stringency. It's a leniency that everything else, meikr adin, you're allowed to eat on Pesach without worrying that it's chametz before they before Ashkenazim adopted the stringency of kidneys. It's a chumrah that you can't use any other grains aside from these five for matzah. But all five grains should be fine. So chita, saora, wheat and barley, kusmin, shifon, shibolashuel. Kusmin and shifon are rye and spelt. Shibolashuel is commonly today assumed to be oats. We'll discuss that a little more later. All five should be, are, are, the Talmud explicitly says, are fine for matzah. So what's the question? Why shouldn't you be able to make matzah out of a, non, a grain other than wheat? So that's what we'll discuss tonight in, in, in a couple of chuvas on the topic written from the past several decades. One by Rabbi Yitzchak Yaakov Weiss, the Minchas Yitzchak, one of the most important postkim of the 20th century, originally of England and later in Eretz Yisrael. And the other by Ramosha Sternbach, originally in South Africa, later he's still alive, in Yerushalayim. We'll begin with the tshuva of the Minchas Yitzchak, Dayan Weiss, 
His name was Rabbi Yaakov Yitzhak Weiss. He's commonly called Dayan Weiss. The Tshuva, interestingly, it was written, he says, in Yerushalayim in uh, the year Tufshin Mem Gimel. That's 1983. It was written to Rabbi Yaakov Yechiel Posen, who was the Dayan of Kaladas Yeshiru in New York. He was the Dayan in Breuer's. Dayan Posen. He was the author of Kitzur El Chashabbos. He was the, the Posek and the Dayan in Breuer's. And he brought this question to Dayan Weiss. He writes, Dayan Weiss writes, Asher Nimsoli Balpem, Eis Harav Hagon, Rav Shimon Schwab, Shlita Av Beis Nechilaschem. So Rav Schwab was the, lead, was the leader of the German community in Washington Heights at that time. So Rav Schwab had met the Minchas Yitzchak and had discussed the question with him orally. And then you, Rav Posen, you followed up on behalf of the German community, the Basin. You followed up with, uh, with, a for, with a written query. So I'm addressing the question. The question, so the question was posed to him by Rav Schwab and Rav Posen, rabbinic leaders of the German community in the 80s, the German-Jewish German community in Washington Heights. Now, again, it's always an interesting question why they went to the Minchas Yitzchak instead of asking New York had some great postkim back then. Then they could have gone to Ramosha Feinstein, uh, 83. Yeah, they, 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 this was late in Ramosha's life, but they, so yeah, I don't know the exact, it's always hard to know the exact reason how they would have chosen who to bring the question to. For whatever reason, they went, um, they went to Yerushalayim to, uh, to consult Diane Weiss about the following question. What's the question? The question was as follows. He quotes the question verbatim. Have you ever seen, they asked him, have you ever heard any opposition, any reluctance to make matzah out of any grain other than wheat? The purpose of this, of course, is There are people who can't tolerate wheat. They actually get sick, he says. Even one kezayis, even to eat a single kezayis of, uh, of matzah baked from wheat is difficult for them, makes them sick. Is, is there any problem? Do you, do you know of any reason why you, you shouldn't make matzah out of another grain, one of the other chamesh saminim, assuming they can tolerate that and they can tolerate wheat? Any reason not to do that? What's the question? Why are they even asking? So, as I said, it's an explicit Talmudic rule, we can bake matzah out of the five minim. So, we are a traditional people. Halacha is very traditional. When something has been done a certain way for hundreds and thousands of years, then we're reluctant to make changes, particularly in the area of, of matzah, which, which is an extremely tradition-based area where, where, where the, 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 the minim gets to be very machmer. And we, and we try many areas of halacha like this. We try to stick to tradition as closely as possible. For many centuries, apparently, matzah was made exclusively out of wheat. I don't have historical records, but it seems from the postkim that, as, as far as we know, as far as the, the traditions we have, the, the halachic literature that we have, all indicate that despite the fact that the Talmud says that matzah could be made, can be made out of any of the five grains, as a practical matter, historically, matzah, as, as far as we have records and traditions, matzah was made exclusively out of wheat, for hundreds of, at least for hundreds of years. So anytime you want to make a drastic change, even if on paper it looks fine, that's always a question, is it really fine? Can you think of any reason why we shouldn't do this? If there's no reason, then the minog itself might not uh, carry that much weight. It's not really a minog. But if there is a reason, do you know of any reason, they asked him. The, they asked of Weiss, can you think of any reason why it would make life much easier for some people? Can you think of any reason why we shouldn't be able to make matzah out of other grains? 
as we said, this is a uh, this is a this is a major question in many areas of halacha. Can you just change the minhag if you can't think of a particular reason or any particular objection? Can you just uh, change the minhag? Or do we say that if something has been time honored by doing it in such a way for so long, even if we don't know a reason, we just have to follow it? This comes up in many other areas, in Hilchas Pesach, including Hilchas Pesach. So, for example, Ashkenazim have been eating hard, thin, brittle, cracker-like matzah for quite a while, centuries, as far as anyone knows. Svardim, some Svardim, most Svardim also eat that. Some Svardim and Yemenites eat a softer pita or lafa-like matzah, which is uh, it's not, it's not thick like challah, but it's, uh, it's much thicker and softer than our matzah. It's, it's, more, it's, more like a, it's more like a lafa or a pita. That makes it easy to do korek, people have pointed out. So the question has come up, Ashkenazim haven't eaten matzah like that for, for centuries. Is there anything wrong with an Ashkenazi deciding he would rather eat uh, Yemenite matzah? So various contemporary poskim are split on this. Ashkenazi poskim are split as to whether there's anything wrong. Roshlom Zalman Orbach and Rav Asher Weiss are quoted as having said, it's not our minog, even if we don't have a real objection. The halacha is clear, you can't make matzah too thick, but too thick means a tefach thick, it shouldn't be three or four inches thick, it shouldn't even be an inch thick, they say, but less than an inch seems to be fine, according to all poskim, and there's nothing about making it hard in the poskim. So Rav Shalom Zalman, though, and Rav Asher Weiss, have nevertheless both said, it's our minhag, it's the way we've been doing it, we, we don't just tamper, for us, as far as they have their own traditions, but the Yemenites have their own traditions, but for, 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 for us, for Ashkenazim, this is our custom, we do it like this, and we shouldn't just change. Rafershel Shechter is quoted as having said, it's not a minhag, he says, that's a style, he says, if you, if, you, if you ask me, can you change the color of your parochus? It's not a minhag, just because it was red or purple or blue for a while, that's not a minhag, he says, that's a style, he says. Of course, Ashkenazim can eat the, the Svardik style matzah as well. But in any event, so the question here, this is the question that Dayan Posen and Rav Schwab put to the Minchas Yitzchak, is there any objection to making matzah out of grain other than wheat? Says the Minchas Yitzchak, I'll begin by conceding, I, you asked me if I've seen, if I've heard, I have not seen, and I have not heard. Novel question. Again, there's no reason this couldn't have come up for a thousand years. I don't know. I don't know of any discussion directly addressing the question, he says, of whether you're, of whether halacha you're allowed to make matzah out of grains other than, uh, grain other than wheat. Nechseyanan. So let's, let's analyze the sugi ourselves. So he brings a, he brings a few classic early acronym sources, that discuss the minhag to use wheat. So it begins with the Marils, about 600 years ago in the 15th century. The Maril says, The Iker mitzvah is wheat. It's true, the Talmud says, you can use all five grains. However, frequently when we discuss grain for Pesach, the term used is always chitim lepesach. We refer to mo's chitim. We have, uh, throughout Masechus Pesachim, there are references to chitim lepesach. So we never says Saorim Lepesach or Shifon Lepesach. The, the language of Chazal is always Chitim Lepesach. So even though Meikar Adin, you are allowed to use other grains, the Iker Mitzvah is to use Chitim. Why? He doesn't say. But he says the Iker, the Iker Mitzvah is to use Chitim. The Ramah, the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. Shulchan Aruch says, You Yotze Matzah with Chitim, Saorim, Kusman, Shibola, Shuol, and Shifon. The Machaber just says all five, like the Gemara. The, Mar- the Ramah says, the, the, the Ramah brings the Maril, the Ar Minhag, Minhag going back five, six hundred years at least, is that we, we use specifically wheat. Why? Again, still no reason why. So the Levush, the Levush was a Talmud of the Ramah, the Levush writes, or Ramor Chayafa, 
the student of the Ramah, he writes, the minig is to, to use only chitim. Why? A very simple and down-to-earth reason. Wheat is the most superior, the tastiest grain. That's why it's a form of hidra mitzvah, that we take the most desirable form of grain for the mitzvah. If you have no wheat, you use other minig dagan. But ideally wheat, why? Because wheat is simply better, so it's the ideal way to perform a mitzvah is with the best possible material available. Okay. So, Milchas Yitzchak brings all this, and he says, he brings a, that Nikra din, it's fine, but there's a minag l'chatechila to use wheat. If you, again, that minag l'chatechila obviously wouldn't apply to someone who's going to get physically ill from eating, uh, from eating barley, from eating some, some other grain. But look, the, the first step is, in terms of early poskim, all we have is that l'chatechila is used chitim. There is, a, there is an Indian to use chitim, but it's obviously not a uh, very, very strong concern. He brings something very curious from the Chatzim Sofer. He says that the Maram Shek cites a, cites a tradition from his Rebbe, the Chatzim Sofer, you should not use Saurim, you specifically should not use barley, anything but barley, because barley is kashal shikha. barley causes forgetfulness. Again, I, I don't know that scientifically we understand how or why that would work, but the Chatzim Sofer asserts that barley causes forgetfulness, and Matzah says, Laman Tizkar, you're supposed to remember, you see, yes, Mitzrayim. You should, so in general, you should probably avoid things that cause forgetfulness, but certainly when it comes to matzah, the entire rationale of a mitzvah is to remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's inimical to the mitzvah itself, to, to the very rationale of a mitzvah, to use something which causes forgetfulness. Where do the Chassam Sofer get this idea that barley causes forgetfulness? The Talmud does mention certain things that cause forgetfulness. I don't think barley's one of them. The Chassam Sofer elsewhere in his, in his, Pirushal, in his uh, Sefer Al-Torah, Torah Moshe, also mentions this, and not clear where he got this from, but Chassam Sofer held, Chassam Sofer believed that barley causes forgetfulness. Okay, but again, all of this is obviously not going to be dispositive with regard to someone who can't eat wheat, someone who's going to get physically ill. So do we have any reason why, why we have to be strict, even with regard to someone who really can tolerate wheat? Says the says Melchaz Yitzchak. Getting back to our question... We have a Marsham. So the Marsham was one of the Gedolia postkim of the 19th century. The Marsham has, my understanding is, the Marsham has something of a reputation as being a mekel. The Marsham was not a big one for Chumras. But in this case, the Marsham, the Marsham generates a Chumra. It was not his intention. We'll see the Tshuva in context. It's, it's actually, it was actually a Tshuva he wrote. It was not his intention to create a Chumra. Nevertheless, a, a Chumra emerges from what he writes. The Marsham is a tshuva. It's not printed in his regular tshuvas, as far as I know, but it is found in the Sefer Archas Chaim. There are a number of svarim called Archas Chaim. One of them is a, uh, an anthology and a commentary to, to Shulchan Aruch Archaim, written by a uh, written by a rav named written by a rav named Kahana. His name is uh, Rav Nachman Kahana. So Rav Kahana was malakate various uh, various. Halachas relevant to Shulchan Aruch Arachayim, and he also printed a, a lot of material from the Marsham. The, 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 the Sefer includes a uh, a lot of uh, important material from the from the from the Marsham. So the Rav Khan himself was presumably a Talmud Chacham, but the Marsham is a uh, is a towering authority of that period. The Marsham discusses the following interesting case. He says. There was Iramasa, there was a story that once occurred, he said, in a certain city, that the, the, those who sold kosher lepesach flour for making matzah, 
they adulterated the wheat, the flour. They, they, they barma, they fraudulently, for many years, they were mixing barley and, uh, and other types of things. They were adulterating the wheat with barley. Now, it was not actually chametz, but barley was cheaper, and they could, they, they could make more profit by adulterating the more expensive wheat with barley. So they, and, they, and they all ground it together, so nobody realized, and they did this because they were, they were, they were basically they were cheating in order to, uh, to profit. And then they were caught eventually, eventually somehow they were caught, and the question is what to do. So in theory, I guess you could ask whether the consumers had the right to get their money back for all the previous years that they paid for genuine wheat flour, instead they were getting this adulterated flour full of barley. Okay, but uh, that, that wasn't exactly the question apparently. That, that, that it, it wasn't a question, I, mean, I don't know, that could have been the question, but that apparently was not actually directly what the Marsham was discussing. The Marsham was, was discussing whether it, 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 it's permitted, whether it's actually permitted for consumers to buy this grain and use this grain for matzo. So the Marsham throws the book at these vendors, he's upset about what they did, and he says that you're really not supposed to use barley for matzo. First of all, we have the Ramah and the, the Maril and the Ramah and the Lavush, that really you should use wheat. That's not such a huge deal. But then the Marsham says, there's another reason why we should not be making matzah out of, out of barley. He brings a Gemara. The Gemara is discussing a process called Lasisa. Lamed Saf, Yud Saf, Hey, Lasisa. Lasisa was a process that, that in which they soaked the grain in order to make it easier to remove the husks and so on. It was a standard part of the processing of grain. Now, most people today would be horrified if you discussed the idea of soaking your grain for Pesach, the grain you're going to use for making matzah, soaking it, putting it in contact with water. But the, the Gemara says that it's mutter. The Gemara brings a major machlokas about it, but the Gemara actually brings Meikra uh, Din, the Gemara concludes that Lasisa is permitted. We don't do it. We, we say you know, we're, we're, not, you know, we're not competent to do it properly without creating chametz. Our minig is that we do not do it. So don't, get, uh, don't try this at home. But Meikra Din, there was a process called Lasisa. If done properly, the, the, the grain would not become chametz. And they used to do this in the time of the Talmud. Some people used to do it. They used to soak the grain, the wheat, as part of the preparations for making flour out of it. They would actually soak the grain. Now, in the course of the discussion of Lasisa, of soaking the grain, the Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara, in the course of the discussion, the Gemara brings a brisa that says, Ein losis him sa'orin ba'pesach. You may not do lasisa to barley. If you don't see signs of chimutz, if you don't see the grains have started to split, it's mutter, but lechatchila, you're not allowed to do lasisa. And the Gemara explains, according to some opinions at least, that that chitim, you would be allowed to be loses. The bryson means saorim, you're not allowed to. Chitim, even lechatchila, you're allowed to do it. Saorim, you're not allowed to do it lechatchila, but b'dieved, b'dieved, if you don't see signs of chametz, then it is, then it is mutter. So the Gemara says, the Gemara later explains, why is there a difference between chitim and saorim? So the Gemara says, chitim are shiriri, chitim are, are harder, firmer, so they, they're, they're less likely to become chametz by, by the, by, by the lasisa. Saorim are apparently more fragile in the context of chametz, they become chametz easier. So even if you, even if, even according to the opinion that we paskin like meikra din, even though we don't do it, but meikra din, we paskin that you're allowed to do lasisa, you're allowed to soak chitim, you're not allowed to soak saorim because saorim have different physical properties. Barley has different physical properties from wheat with respect to chimutz. Barley apparently is more easily chametzable, and therefore things like lasisa, which are mutter to do to wheat, are prohibited, are usher to do to barley. 
Says the Marsham, okay, we don't do Lasisa at all. That's not our main like Bechlal. But you see from the Gemara that not all grains are identical in their physical properties with respect to chametz. Different grains are more susceptible to chametz. Barley in particular, the Talmud tells us, is more susceptible to becoming chametz than wheat. So he brings various poskim, we discussed this, and he, he, he actually brings from one of the Sephardic poskim who says that, that actually the Sefer is Harlav Ram. The Sefer is Harlav Ram was, a, was an important halachic anthology, a Sephardic halachic anthology of, of various Sephardic works on halacha, kind of like the Pesach or the Knesset Gdola. In, in that Sefer, he brings from the Sefer Ma'am Lois, who is best known as a uh, collection of Midrashim and, uh, and, and Agadic material on Chumash, but he also brings some, he also brings some halacha there. And in the Sefer Ma'am Lois, he, say, he quotes him as saying that, we, that when, you, when you use wheat for, for matzah and Pesach, you have to sort your, sift your wheat and, and examine it and make sure that there's no saurim there, because saurim are more susceptible to become a chametz. You can, so you cannot use saurim in your... Not only don't you make saurim out of matzah, not only don't you use saurim barley to make matzah, you actually have to uh, eliminate and remove any trace of saurim from your wheat. We're so machmer, according to the Mamloes, we're so machmer on having uh, no barley on Pesach that we don't even... We, we even have to get out the, the, the isolated grains of barley that may be contaminating the wheat. It's not our minog, says the Marsham. It's not our minog. We, we, we don't actually... We're not so strict that we require that our wheat be carefully sifted of any barley, traces of barley. However, the Marsham says, we see from the postkin based on this Gemara, barley is more susceptible to becoming chametz. So certainly, to put barley in the... deliberately to adulterate the wheat with barley... He says, you certainly should not do that. And that's why the minute Marsham says, that's why the minig is to use wheat. We, we saw the Maril says, the Ramah says, the minig is to use wheat. We don't know exactly why. The Lavush said, just because it's better. The Marsham says, I think this is the reason why. The reason why, maybe, is because barley is more susceptible to chamet. You should not use barley on Pesach, even though you can, obviously, make matz out of it. The Gemara says, you can make matz out of all chamesh aminim. Even barley, explicitly, you can't do lasisa, but if you don't do lasisa, you can make matz out of it. But because the, because the presumption is that barley becomes chametz more easily than wheat, our minag is, we only use wheat, and we avoid using barley to avoid a chashash of chametz. Therefore, he says, these sellers who adulterated their, their wheat with barley, lo tovasu, they did it to seser v'halama, not only, did they, not only is it wrong objectively to do, but to do, it, uh, to do it with subterfuge, without telling people, he says, and to trick them into, into getting regular wheat, he says. So even though he says that the minig of the Ramah to use, barley, to use wheat is only l'chatchila, not b'di'eved, and this reason also, this chashash of chametz is obviously not, he says, b'di'eved. So really, he says, b'di'eved, if you have the grain, you don't have to throw away the grain, throw away the matzah if it was made out of barley. However, he says that if people, if people take advantage, if people are ruggled bekach, if people do this, uh, do this repeatedly, we penalize them, he says, and uh, that once we can, we can let you go, but the Eved, but you do it repeatedly, even twice, he says, but the Eved, it's usher. Certainly, he says, in fortiori, in our case, they did it for many years, he says, we should refuse to buy their flour, he says, and, and, and we should absolutely refuse to buy their flour, and that's our minig. The, the, the minig also is that we only use wheat that was inspected by Rabbanim, he says, and these people are obviously not uh, having their grain properly inspected. Okay. So the Marsham is telling us the Chumrah that, that, we don't use, that we don't use grain. That wasn't primarily his point. His point was that these, uh, that these, uh, these crooks were, 
were fraudulently adulterating their wheat. He wasn't happy with their he wasn't happy with what they were doing. He felt it was wrong, certainly to do it fraudulently, and he penalized them that that, that we should not buy their grain until I guess I guess unless we correct the problem, unless they get some kind of reliable supervision that they're not doing this, or we, we're somehow convinced that they do tshuva. So in general, the Marsham was opposed to uh, was opposed to using uh, to, to using to using barley, and he said that uh, that certainly lechatchila. In his case, even b'diavad, he said. But again, he also said because for the purchaser, it's not b'diavad. Don't buy grain from him. That's not b'diavad. Just don't buy their grain. They're going to have a loss. That's their problem because they they they're crooks. So the so the marsham was somewhat strict over here, but that was largely because he was uh, he was clearly annoyed. He was clearly upset that people were uh, behaving crookedly like this and fraudulently. But the, the bottom line is, Marsham does express the view that lechatchila barley should not be used. Again, nobody in his time actually wanted to use barley. There, there was nobody with celiacs. The celiacs can't, don't, don't, don't use barley either. But there was nobody with a wheat allergy who, who asked him lechatchila, can I use barley? Nobody wanted barley. He, he, wrote the, he wrote this tshuva explaining why he was, what, what they were doing was very wrong. They certainly shouldn't have been surreptitiously adulterating the wheat with barley. But the bottom line is, Marsham does say that you should not use barley in your mat. So the Menchaz Yitzchak brings this discussion of the Marsham, and he, and he goes through it at some length. He, he's Meirich discussing the, are we really strict about barley? How strict? L'chatchila, B'diavad. He goes back and forth and back and forth about the about the issues of barley. And then he actually comes out that, uh, that's actually the bulk of the tshuva, which I've omitted a good deal of the tshuva in the handout, but he actually concludes that there is a question, even b'diavid. If a person makes, makes matzah out of barley, or certainly barley, maybe any of the chameshes aminim other than wheat, there is a real question, he says, even b'diavid. How so? He says that, the, even though the marasham explicitly says that this is not a chumrah b'diavad, that, that, that the, the, whole, the whole chumrah barley is clearly okay, except that you don't do lasisa, the Gemara says, but clearly it's okay. And even the, even the, the Ramos says that, that you should use ideally chitim, he clearly only means l'chatchila, he just says the minog is to l'chatchila use chitim, he's clearly not saying it's a problem b'diavad. Nevertheless, Menchaz Yitzchak argues that there is actually a question here b'diavad as well. He says as follows, he makes the following argument. He says, when it comes to lasisa, it's true, l'chatchila, we don't do l'sisa on barley. We don't do l'sisa on anything, even wheat. But we dina the Gemara, you don't do l'sisa on barley because, it's mar, because it becomes chametz more easily. But that's only l'chatchila. Why? Because the Gemara says there's a simon. Nobody knows, as my father always used to point out to us, nobody knows exactly what chametz is, what the definition of chametz is. Somehow, vaguely, it means rising or leavening. Leavening, I think, is a word that I virtually never see used except in Hilchas Pesach. Rising, you know, Bread's rise, but uh, we, we don't know exactly what chametz is. The Gemara gives various simanim, various various diagnostic procedures, visual or otherwise, tactile, to detect whether a whether a given dough, a given bread, is chametz or not. We look for cracks. We look for different types of patterns and marks on the on marks on the on the dough. So the Gemara says, if you did lasisa on saurim, you shouldn't do it. But yeah, but if you did it, if you don't see these cracks, if you don't see these signs of chametz, but yeah, you could be mekel. Okay, so that's true. The Marsha, that's true. The Menchaz Yitzchak says that barley, even though it's susceptible to chimutz, if you don't see the simanim, even if you did lasisa, it's okay. Says it says Menchaz Yitzchak. However, he says that we are machmer on all kinds of chumras of making matzah. Some even b'diavad. We have all kinds of protocols that we use to bake matzahs. 
that, and it's all our protocols, he says, are calibrated, are designed for chitim. Matzah was always made out of wheat. So all of our matzah baking, minhagim, and protocols and techniques were all designed to work, to be, to, to be valid, to make uh, legitimate matzah out of wheat. Once you're, introdu- once you're changing the recipe and introducing seorim, he says, you're introducing barley, he says, the, we don't know the halacha. We don't know the, all the minhagim that would have to be done to keep barley. We have so many chumras, certainly beyond what the Gemara says. We, we have so many rules that we do. We don't know how all those rules would have to be adjusted to, to guarantee that barley can be made successfully into matzah. He, he writes, he says, The beer called Pratu Prat. You'd have to rewrite the entire Shulchan Aruch of Hilchas Matzah to, 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 to describe what you have to do with barley, because barley has different rules, because it has different physical properties. Who can do such a thing, he says, who can take responsibility for this? And that's even B'dyeved. This concern is even B'dyeved, he says, that the who knows, he says, maybe you've, some halacha that you did, which should have been done differently with respect to barley, wasn't done properly. That matzah made out of any again the, the focus is primarily on barley, but the primarily on barley, but Lamaisi comes out because of this concern that because of this concern that we, we only we're only we're only confident in our protocols of baking matzah for wheat and other grains of other physical properties and, and they can be more barley in particular that but other grains as well apparently are more susceptible to becoming comets. We don't have tried and true and uh, reliable protocols for making matzah, and therefore even b'dyeved, matzah made of any grain other than wheat, is something we should not use, even b'dyeved. The Menchazizchuk agrees what he's saying is a great chedosh, because he says at the end of the day, the, at the end of the day, the, the halacha is, it's brought in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch says you're allowed to make matzah out of any of the five grains. He doesn't have any problem with protocols, and even the Ramah says the minigis to use wheat. The Ramah is very clear, that's only l'chatchila, if I'm really right, the Menchaz Yitzchak says that the minig is to use only wheat because we have a serious chametz concern for using any grain other than wheat. The Ramad didn't say that. The Shulchan Aruch didn't say that. So what's going on here, he says. So the, he doesn't really know. He, he admits that the mashmos of the Shulchan... So this is, this is very interesting. You know, we often say that when you have a minag, minag uh, can override the halacha, can certainly clarify the halacha. When you have a clear halacha and there's no minag, you follow the halacha. Here's a case where we have a minhag not to use, the minhag is clearly to use wheat. It's been a minhag this way for a long time. We have a halacha that recommends wheat, but clearly seems to tolerate mikra, din, b'dyeved, certainly other grains. And Menchaz Yitzchak feels he has a strong argument that other grains are even b'dyeved, not okay. So he's very much in line with the minhag. There has been a very, very consistent minhag for hundreds of years to use only wheat. So he's very much in line with the minhag. On the other hand, the Shulchan Aruch clearly says that the minhag is only l'chatchila, not b'dyeved. Nevertheless, Menchaz Yitzchak is so taken by his analysis based on the Marsham, Menchaz Yitzchak is so convinced of the cogency of his analysis, despite the fact that the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah both seem to indicate that it's only a din l'chatchila. The Menchaz Yitzchak sticks to his guns. He thinks the Minhag is much more serious than that. He thinks the Minhag is because of a real concern, B'dyeved. And therefore he says that, okay, the whole question we began with was some people cannot tolerate wheat. Really? He says, it's, it's, you can't tolerate a lot of wheat. He says, is it, really, is it really a thing? He says, you can't even tolerate once a year a kazayas matzah of wheat. He says, I don't think that's very common at all, he says. And therefore, in my opinion, he says, that since there is a chashash of chametz, certainly l'chatchila, maybe even b'dyevet, but certainly l'chatchila is a chashash of chametz of matzah of any other grain, I do not think you should use any other grain for any other grain for, 
for matzah, you should stick to wheat. I don't think it's really such a problem, he says. If it's one kezai, it's once a year. And therefore, he said, certainly here, it's a concern of B'dyeved. He, he ends off the tshuva to Rabbi and he says, after I, got, after I wrote this tshuva, he says, I got another letter from you. You have more questions you want me to answer. He says, sorry, I can't do it, he says. I'm too busy. I can't resolve your other questions. I'm just sending, please forgive me, he says, I'm sending you the answer just to this. And that's the end of the discussion. So Minchas Yitzchak does not allow any other type of, of matzah. He has basically three or four components to his argument. He says, first of all, we have a minog to use only wheat. That minog is not clear how serious it is, whether it's just l'chatchila because of hidr mitzvah, but he thinks, B, that there's a strong argument that other grains raise a real chametz question, certainly l'chatchila and maybe even b'dyeva. And that's what he thinks the minog is. And C, he says, he doesn't think that the need is really so great. He doesn't think that even people with these uh, intolerances will really suffer by eating, eating, wheat, uh, eating wheat once a year. Therefore, that is what you should do. Someone just told me, someone from the neighborhood just told me, that he was diagnosed years ago, some decades ago, I'm not sure how long ago, he was diagnosed with uh, celiacs right before Pesach. And in his time, there were other matzahs available, oat matzahs were available, but you needed to make a special order, and, and he couldn't get it on short notice. And he asked, uh, he told me, he asked Ravainimer what, uh, what he should do. He couldn't get oat matzah, what should he do? Ravainimer told him, I believe my friend told me, Ravainimer told him that you should, he should eat one kezayis a matzah, don't, no koreh, no afikomen, eat one kezayis a matzah, the smallest share we can, we can get away with. I don't know what that share was exactly, but don't start with the giant kezayisim. Just we'll, 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 we'll pare the mitzvah down to the bare minimum. You'll, you'll use just a single kezayis, and you'll survive, basically. You'll be okay. And I guess that's what he did. Sounds like that's what he did. So Menachas Yitzchak is saying, even if you could get oat matzah or other types of matzah, that's what you should do. You shouldn't... Uh, he says he doesn't really think other matzahs are so, are, are so great because of a concern of chametz, and he doesn't think you really need uh, other matzah that badly. And therefore, eat one kezayis. He doesn't say again. He says once a year. He doesn't say how many kezayis should you eat, how big the kezayis should be. But that's, that's, the, re- that's the recommendation of the Menchaz Yitzchak. Obviously, this is not the consensus view. They make and sell various types of non-weed matzahs, belt matzahs, oat matzahs, and other postkim indeed are more lenient. We'll take a look now at another tshuva on this topic from Moshe Sternbach. Moshe Sternbach was asked, he says he was asked, Ere Pesach, there was a woman whose doctor told her, do not eat wheat. It will exacerbate your condition. I don't know if her condition was celiacs or some other condition where that, that would be exacerbated by consuming wheat. The physician admonished her, do not eat wheat. Absolutely do not eat wheat. And uh, what should she do about matzah? So obviously, he says, the whole question is when we're not dealing with sakaras uh, nefashas. If there is, nothing to talk about. Says, of course you don't eat matzah if it's going to endanger your life. The question is, it'll, it'll make you sick, it'll make you, uh, it'll, it'll exacerbate your illness, but it won't actually kill you. So he brings, an interesting thing, he brings that when it comes to dalatkosis, there's a, there's a humorous Gemara in the Dharm, I spoke about this this past Shabbos, there's a Gemara in the Dharm that says, a certain Chacham of the Talmud, he would drink, he, he, that he, he, apparently his face was flushed and ruddy, so a, a woman, a, a noble woman, once taunted him and said, and, and said Why, you're a rabbi, you're, you're, you're a drunk, you're an alcoholic, your face looks like an alcoholic. He told her, I swear to you that, that I, I, I assure you I only drink wine, I, I, I only drink wine, I, I can't really tolerate wine, I only drink wine for Kiddush and Avdala and Arbacosos, and Arbacosos, is, I, I, my intolerance is so great 
that I have that I get headaches after wrap my head up until Shavuos. I'm so uh, ill from the wine. Why is my face ruddy? Because Chachma makes a person's face ruddy, and my Torah wisdom makes my face shine and look florid somehow. Okay. So the point is, he said, in the, the, the Chachma and the Gemara said that even though the wine makes him really ill, he's, he's ill and he fails it until Shavuos, he nevertheless drinks abracosis. The Jewish Rashba, the Rashba was asked about this. The Rashba says someone can't tolerate wine. It's Maziko, it harms him, or he really hates it. So, no, he doesn't like it. Can he get away with not drinking abracosos? Says the Rashba, no, he must drink abracosos, as per the Gemara, even if it is deleterious for him. You have to do it anyway. That's the mitzvah. That's how we pass him in Shulchan Aruch, that you have to drink abracosos, even if it makes you ill. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with looking for solutions. If it's the alcohol that makes you ill, you can try grape juice. According to most posts, grape juice is okay, so you can do grape juice. If uh, some people can't do grape juice either, all sugar is a problem. There might be other solutions, Khamar Medina, other types of liquids, drinks that might satisfy. So, again, looking for solutions is recommended. You're not supposed to try to be a martyr. So if, if you can't drink certain types of wine, so again, you dilute it, other things, certainly a, a rub should be consulted. There may be a solution which uh, you can tolerate. But if push comes to shove and you cannot tolerate it, Shulchan Aruch Paskins, you have to drink it anyway. However, some posts can say, some, the Mishabura bring, some posts can say, that's only if it will just cause you suffering. You'll, you'll be uncomfortable or you'll, you'll, you'll feel some pain. If, you're, if it's actually going to knock you out, it, certainly if it's going to endanger your life, but even if it's just going to make you be nafal mishkov, it'll send you to your bed, even that is enough of a reason not to have to drink uh, the arbacosis. So the, 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 the Ramosha Sternbach gets into whether that's lalach or not. Is that true? This is actually a major discussion in the postkim in general. In all mitzvahs, this is what I spoke about on Shabbos, in all mitzvahs of the Torah, is there an exemption if it's very hard for you, if it makes you physically uncomfortable, it makes you sick? Is that halacha? Can a person you know, decline to do a mitzvah? You know, the shofar hurts his ears. Can you not hear shofar if the shofar gives you a headache? So all these types of things, the post can debate. A person has physical discomfort. How great does the discomfort have to be? What if he's actually going to get sick? And so on. So Sternbuch discusses this question, that the, is, is there really a dispensation from doing mitzvahs in general if a person makes a person sick or uncomfortable? Even though the Mishaburah says that arbacosis, you don't have to drink if it makes you actually sick, you're not full of Mishkov, but in the, he brings the Shartzi and says the reason why is because wine is supposed to be derecheris. And if it knocks you out and sends you to your bed, that's not derecheris. Other mitzvahs, where derecheris is not such an essential component, derecheris means like a free man. It has to be the, the style of acting like freeborn men, like free men. They're good, so it, 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 it defeats the whole purpose if drinking wine sends you into your bed. But matzah, even though it's also connected to cheres, cheres is not such an integral aspect of the mitzvah. Maybe matzah you do have to eat, even if it, even if it sends you to your bed. Other posts can say not. So he, he touches on this question briefly, whether, 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 whether mitzvahs in general, like the mitzvah of matzah, you have to do, even if it's actually going to make you sick. So that, that's a real question, he says. That, that, that is a, a real debate in halacha, whether a person is expected to do a mitzvah, even if it's going to make him really ill, assuming, again, assuming it won't endanger his life. Again, solutions are always good. But if we're talking about where there's no solution. So in his case, the woman wasn't looking for, a, for, for an exemption. She wasn't looking for a kula. The woman insisted she wants to do the mitzvah. So I don't know why she asked, but uh, she, she insisted, I will do the mitzvah. I am not taking any, uh, the easy way out. I will eat matzah, even if it uh, not kills me, but even if, it, uh, even if it makes me sick. So the woman was insisting she wants to eat matzah. The doctors were insisting that she shouldn't. 
Rosh Dernbach said, I recommend it to her to act, go back to her doctor, consult him again. If he says that the danger is remote, it's, uh, it's, even though that danger is enough, that the serious chance of danger, the real chance of danger, even albeit remote, is enough to say she's potter, if she wants, she can, eat, she can do it, and she can say that God protects those who do mitzvahs, you can do that. However, he says, if it's a, a, very, if it's a, if it's a very likely concern that it will actually make her nafal mishkav, it will actually cause her to become bedridden, even if it's not going to endanger her life, then I told her you should absolutely not do it, even if you want to, and if you eat it, you should not make a bracha, it's not a mitzvah at all in such a case. So Sternbach recommended that if she really wants, she can do it if the, the concern is relatively low, but if the concern is high, and then she should not do it, even if she wants to. It's not a mitzvah, and she can't make a bracha on it. That's what Sternbach recommends. Now solutions, he says. What about solutions? What can you do if you really can't, uh, can't eat wheat? So in the last paragraph of the tshuva, he says, The problem, what should someone do if he can't eat wheat? So he said, I heard, or Sternbach says, I heard that today they bake special matzah out of shibola shul, which he calls Quaker, which is a kind of oat. And that's Chameshah Saminim. So I heard people have oat matzah. So that could be a solution for those who can eat wheat. However, he says, in the Sefer Sharei Tzion, the, the author of the Sefer Sharei Tzion proves that our Quaker is our oats, our brand of oats he's talking about is not Shibola Shul, is not actually one of the Chameshah Saminim, because Quaker does not become Chametz. Again, we don't know exactly what Chametz is, but this, this author of Sharei Tzion says he investigated, he determined that whatever that Quaker oats clearly do not become chametz, and therefore they clearly are not the chameshes aminim, and they're not valid for matzah, and that which people think that Quaker is chameshes aminim is a mistake, it's a misconception. According to him, you cannot use oat matzah, you have to use some other species of grain, or Sternbuch says, that uh, will not harm you. That's the end of his tshuva. This question about, about as to oats, whether oats are valid for matzah, is actually a, a great debate. And the question actually goes back to the time of the Rishon. As we said, the, the Gemara says there are five grains that can become chametz and that are therefore eligible for matzah. Chitim, saorim, wheat and barley, kusmin and shifon, spelt and rye, and shibola shul. What is shibola shul? So way back, a thousand years ago already in the Aruch, as far back as the Aruch and Rashi, way, way back there, there was a machlokis Rishonim what Shibola Shul was. The other four are pretty generally accepted, as I said, wheat, barley, spelt, and rye. But Shibola Shul is a great debate as to whether it is oats or something else. If it's something else, it is the other, the other candidate for Shibola Shul given by the Rishonim is some type of barley. Sigala, they call it. Uh, two road, some other kind of, some other cousin of barley, a different, uh, two-road barley, three-road barley, some variant of barley. There are all kinds of arguments uh, for or against the identification of oats as Shibola Shul. We're not going to get into it in, in detail right now, but there are all kinds of arguments. Some are based on Talmudic sources. The Talmud itself, even if it d- doesn't use Latin and uh, European words, the Talmud does tell us some information about the relationships between different grains. In Kalayim, it tells you which grains are Kalayim with which, which ones resemble other ones. So there is some evidence from, from Chazal with, as to this question of, wh- of whether Shibola Shul is oats or not. There, there are arguments from, uh, from uh, botanical history, whether oats would have been a common crop in, the, in, 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 biblical, in biblical or Talmudic Israel. So th- anyway, the point is, that it's an old, old machlokis going back to Rishonim, and some scholars today, Professor Felix, the author of Yehuda Felix, the author of Atzamech Vachai Mikra and Mishnah, 
He notably did not think that Oats was the correct, uh, correct identification of Shibola Shul. So the bottom line is, whether Oats is actually... Rav Sternbach is dealing with a specific type of Oats. Uh, he's, he's not even getting into the Machlux we've shown him about whether Oats in general is the correct translation of Shibola Shul. But the, the, the broader question is, is Oats actually one of the Chameshus Aminim or not, is a great, great debate. Now, in term, on paper, in terms of the actual sources, you know, people say it's Professor Felix's sheet, it's Rishonim, it's it, Gedolei Rishonim said this, that, 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 that it's not Oats, it's something else. However, the, the Minogin Ashkenaz, back to Minog again, the Minogin Ashkenaz for centuries has been to assume that Oats is, is, is indeed Shibola Shul. Not for Matzah, it, 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 no one ever made Oat Matzah in recorded history until recently, but for everyday questions, what bracha do you make on Cheerios? If, uh, if, 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 if oats are chameshes aminim, you make a mezonis on Cheerios. If oats are not chameshes aminim, you make shakal or adama on, on, on things made out of oats. So, what, did, you bench on, you, did you bench on oat bread if you have oat challah? So, the, the, so the, these have been major questions for, for centuries. And the, 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 these questions have arisen. So the Minogin Ashkenaz for many centuries was to consider was to consider Shibola Shul to, uh, to be oats. Therefore, many contemporary postgim in the last several decades felt that, where, that you are allowed to make matzah, which again is very relevant for celiac disease sufferers, people who have gluten, people who can't tolerate gluten. I believe oats is the only one of the chameshes aminim that is free or almost free of gluten. And therefore, if you're really trying to avoid gluten, so the spelt matzah is not going to help you, the, the only matzah that's going to be useful is oat matzah. So people who use oat matzah are relying on the Rishonim who said that oats is shibola shual, and you can be, it becomes chametz, and you can be yotzi matzah with it, and that's why they use oat matzah. Lamaisa, it's machlux rishonim. Lamaisa, there are, there are, the, my understanding is that there are reasonable arguments that, you know, there, there are somewhat uh, strong arguments against the identification of oats as shibola shual. And therefore, there are some poskim who have said that ideally a person should not use oat matzah if he has a choice. Rav Herschel Schechter has said that, uh, I believe, that a person who, again, a person who has no choice, who really can't eat wheat, uh, maybe can be mekel, but uh, I think even he agrees can be mekel. But someone who has a choice really shouldn't use oat matzah because it's a real question. You might not be yotzi the mitzvah. You're not going to be eating chametz because if it's not one of the chameshes meaning, it's not chametz, it's like kidneys. So you're not really doing anything wrong necessarily, but you're not going to be yotzi the mitzvah of matzah. You're going you're gonna to miss the mitzvah of matzah. So ideally a person should, uh, ideally a person should not use oat matzah if he has a choice. But again, if there's no choice, then the Minigan Ashkenaz certainly is to rely on, is to rely on, uh, rely on the Ashkenazic identification of oats, of Shemola Shuol, as oats. I actually try, when I eat oats, I try to make brachas on other things. I eat my Cheerios, I try to make a Mizonos on a cracker, and a Shahakal on uh, the milk. I still don't, uh, still have a problem with bracha achrona, but it's a, uh, it's a real issue. So the bottom line is, if you want to make non... So ideally, matzah should be wheat. That's an old minog going back to the Maril and the Ramah. That minog is, is, was, was, was only expressed as a lechatchila. Mechaz Yitzchak is remarkably stringent and says that you cannot use any non-wheat matzah, even with the evidence, a real shayla. You should just push yourself and eat any and wheat, but he feels that any other matzah is really problematic as chametz. That seems to be a minority opinion. Most postkim don't seem to be so concerned with that. So most postkim would seem to say that uh, that you can that you know the, the minigal chachil is to use wheat, but if you need to, you can use other matzah as well. Oat matzah, in particular, has an additional concern that it's not entirely clear that oats is really chameshes aminim, which is relevant to many questions in halacha. So the minigal ashkenaz is to consider oats chameshes aminim, but not everyone agrees. 
So ideally, if one has a choice, there are those who say that one should avoid oats. But again, if, if there's no choice, uh, then, then there is Yeshal Milism, uh, oh, certainly, to use oats and to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah with oat matzah.